Hello guys, welcome to my podcast, Lovely Linky Inspirations, where the intent is to encourage, motivate, and inspire you. I will share with you my journey and expertise as a nonprofit co-founder, a therapist, a PhD student, a mommy and wife. I am also here to help uplift all single women, whether you are a woman who has never been married, previously married, and now a divorcee or widow as well as to help build, support, and celebrate couples who are courting, engaged, and married. So come now, join me as we encourage, motivate, and inspire each other. Hello guys, welcome to Lovely Linky Inspirations. Today is our 19th episode in our first season. Today, I am joined once again by the bold, beautiful, and dynamite Ravanya Knight. She is the owner of Be Greater Educational Consulting. Look her up on Facebook. You can also find her on Insta at Be Greater. That's B-E-G-R, the number eight R-R. Her first podcast episode is coming out soon, guys, so be on the lookout for Be Greater. Today, what you will hear is another Facebook Live discussion between my sister and I, this time about the educational system and our black children. So come now, join me and Ravanya as we talk a little bit about the educational system and our black children. So thank you. So before we cut out, you know, you were going to tell us just a little bit about um, the uh, virtual webinars that you are having. Yes. Yes. So I, um, I offer these virtual webinars that are specific um, for educators to be able to help with what is going on right now, because a lot of people are really um, emotionally um, connected right now, emotionally inspired. And I want them to think a lot about what are the actions that educators are going to be taking um, in the fall when school starts. What are they going to be doing differently to be able to demonstrate that Black students' lives matter? Um, And really just talking about what are some ways to shift from seeing this anti-racist work that they're now, you know, naming in such a way, what does this really look like Mm -hmm. in practice within educators' lives? Because I don't believe that you can disconnect your profession as an educator Mm -hmm. from who you are as a person. And so um, what I've really been doing that has really kicked off is actually doing individualized coaching as well that just kind of fell into it um, where I have clients who are interested in more like one-on-one sessions where I can really work with them get an understanding of where they are what they know at this point and what their vision is for their work as anti-racist educators Um, so You can go to Eventbrite if you kind of prefer more of a larger session or small group um, style, Um, or you can reach out to me and my social media information is on um, the flyer, but I'm at B-E-G-R, the number eight R-R, Educational Consulting on um, Facebook and just the same thing, be greater, B-E-G-R, the number eight R R on Instagram. 
but you can just reach out to me. That's also my email on Gmail, be greater. Um, and we can talk f more about what you might need individually as well. Awesome. That is so awesome. I'm glad that individuals have reached out for individual sessions as well. That's really awesome. So then you can individualize it for people based on their individual needs. So that's good. Yes. Yeah. Educators, tune in. If you have not, go on and register. Be greater. It's be greater. Do you say be greater? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Be greater. Be greater. Yes. Be greater. Consulting. Consulting. Education. Educational consulting. Educational consulting. Be greater. Educational consulting. That's on Facebook and be greater on Instagram. Instagram. Right? And, mm -hmm. you know, Ravana yes. spelled it out for us. So today we are going to talk about the educational system and our black children. And I know, Ravanya, you have a, a, an agenda of things that you want us to kind of go through. So let's get started. Yeah. So um, Cynthia and I just kind of talked about just like, what does this look like right now in this moment? Um, for Black people when we think about this movement in education particularly. Um, and so this has been something that has been on my heart as a Black educator, um, working with students of color and seeing serious disparities for my Black students in particular, um, their families um, and their communities at large and really trying to wrap my mind around how did we get to this point, to the point of looking at all data across the board and seeing Black students on the bottom consistently. And for me, I'm feeling like we're okay with that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I have to really start to think about as an educator, how do we shift that? Like, I'm just by nature a person. I want to solve problems. <laughs> like that's a problem to me. And you know, that, that is a burden. And so I want, I want us to get to a solution. And so when um, this uprising occurred and the, and the movement started to take traction, it was very important mm -hmm. for me that we did not just look at one system. Like it is not just the policing system yeah. that we need to be concerned about. We also need to be just as passionate about our fight for saving our Black students' lives mm -hmm. from the hands of white supremacy that shows up in our education system, mm -hmm. that what my, my sister Bettina Love identifies as spirit murdering. Wow, I like the that. spirit murdering of our Black students. Mm. I, and so I, I think that's so important for us to address. I, I, what were you going to say, Cynthia? Yeah, I was going to say, I've never heard that term before, but I, I so understand it, right? You, you're actually taking away the spirit from these children. You're taking away, you know, the, a vital part of who they are that tells them who they are. You're taking away the fight, essentially. That's what I get from yes. that, you know, yes. to mean you're taking someone's yes. spirit, murdering it, you know, yeah. Murdering, mm -hmm. literally. <laughs> Literally, and I think that, um, so when I read Bettina Love's book, uh, We Want to Do More Than Survive, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and she used that term, she coined, actually coined the term spirit mur murdering, 
I had no word to describe mm -hmm. what I was seeing and feeling about our black students. Yeah. But when I read that, I was like, sister, you That's got it. it. That's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. And when you take a group of people and put them into a system where they cannot see themselves, they're completely erased. Mm. And wherever pieces and little um, crumbs in which they show up, it's these very simple narratives. You don't even give the, the full humanity to the people that you're elevating who are Black, yeah. right? And then kids don't get a chance to figure out who they are and also be able to figure out their purpose because they're not seeing themselves in their learning. Mm -hmm. So you, you go to school K to 12 and many black students who end up surviving that system and coming out with the opportunity to thrive, like it's, it's by chance or things that have happened, maybe families have put in place and things like that. But it's often not the result of the educational system believing in them yes. and teaching them about their black excellence. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's sticking with me, you know. And, you know, having not read the book, but just hearing the term of if you keep telling a child or you keep labeling a child, that's taking away who they are from them and telling them you are putting a label on them, re-identifying them as someone that they are not. Man, that's powerful. No, I have to read that <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, when I think about Black parents and, and my um, conversations with families, I'm a high school educator. Mm -hmm. So by the time those babies get to me, some of the ones who are on the bottom of the data, their families are exhausted. Yeah. They are exhausted with the school system. They are exhausted with the annoyance of contacting them for petty things you know um they are exhausted with like you said this kind of being their kids being labeled and often they run out of energy yes. to deal with mm -hmm. it and so things that i i want really impress upon people and we talked about this and and i want you to share a little bit also um, about how you operate as an aunt because I think that part of the village is so important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Parents are trying their best, you know, to support their kids. Yes. And so they go to the school and do those things that are necessary. And often during elementary, you see them, you know, a little more present and being involved and responding to calls and responding to emails and what I found, a lot of parents tell me by the time they get to us on the high school level, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. I am tired. It is all, I had a parent say, it's always something. That's why I don't answer my phone. Mm -hmm. It's always something. You know, what does he do right? And, and that's a problem. Like, so if I'm telling a kid everything you do is wrong. wrong and you don't fit inside this box that I say you need to be in, Right. At what point do we think that that is not going to crack mm -hmm. the kid? And so that's how the spirit gets murdered. Yes. It is. And it is a constant thing. It is a constant thing. If a child does not fit exactly into what we think learning should okay. look like, how they should respond, right? 
then it's something wrong with them. And I think often when people hear the disparity in the data, you know, collectively, often as a society, I think they reflect back and just say, it must be something wrong mm -hmm. with those Black students. Mm -hmm. And I am here to say, no, it is not. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with your child. There is nothing wrong with Black students. There is something definitely wrong with system. the system. Yes. The system was not built for Black people to succeed, yes. period. Mm -hmm. It was never built as such, and it has not been revamped in order to change that narrative. And as Black people, we if we're going to keep our kids in this system, because Cynthia, I got to be honest with you. Like, I don't truly recommend it. Yeah. But if we are going to keep our kids in this system, we have to start figuring out other right. ways to, to really get our babies, give them back their spirits, mm -hmm. essentially. Yes, 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 yes. And I agree with you that it takes a village and oftentimes how parents do get tired and being a part of the system, not as long as you have, um, but seeing it and so understanding how it works, right, gave me, has given me and still gives me the upper hand because I know what my rights are, right? And I know what my children's yes. rights are. And oftentimes I think as parents, you know, a lot of parents don't realize what their rights are. And you were alluding um, to an event that I shared with you of being an aunt and one of my nephew's dad had recently passed away. And all through school, this, this little boy, top of the class, he's in the gifted and talented program at school, no issues with him, does his work, never had any behavioral issues, his dad passed. And all of a sudden he's a bit withdrawn, you know, a new teacher. And for me, as an educator myself, my first response would have been, let me go find out from other teachers about this child, since this child is new to me. And so what they did, instead of doing that, she instantly gave my nephew a clipboard. And for those who don't know what that is, it's a behavioral check-in and check-out. That's what they call it at the school that my nephew attended. Or, you know, now he's going to middle school. And so right away he's labeled, right, with, with this chart as a bad kid, as a child that has be, be, um, behavioral issues. But it's like, wait a minute, nobody <laughs> inquired about why he is acting this way. What has happened? Is this repetitive or is this something new? And so, you know, I, I told my sister, you don't have to accept this. She didn't know. The school gave it to him. So she thinks that she thought she had to comply and encouraging our son to comply with that. And I'm like, no, you do not have to comply with that. You know why your child is, is being the way he's currently being. Mm -hmm. And so I called the school. And so, of course, the rhetoric is going to be, you're not the child's parent. So then I'm like, okay, well, hypothetically, <laughs> let's use <laughs> Right. You know, let's, let's just use this hypothetical situation. And it, it came to the point where the principal didn't even know that this kid was walking around with this clipboard, you know, so th mm -hmm. there was no communication happening. And so to me, mm -hmm. my first thought would be, if this little boy was white, would that have been the same response to him? Instead of right away, you must be a bad kid. You must have behavioral issues. Here's a clipboard. You need to check in and check out at each class. Why are you, you know, being this way? And so um, 
as you said, if we don't know, is to have someone to advocate on our behalf. And what you taught me is that even my sister could have put me on the list and for parents to know that if you are not the one who understands everything in the school system, to put someone in, on that list, and Ravanya, you can explain more about that, to advocate yes. for, you know, your child. But for me, I know what to go around. We're going to use a hypothetical situation because this going to get fixed today. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's that's so important. And um, parents need to know that you can add whoever you want to to be a contact person for your child. So if you feel like, you know, hey, I need the team, I need our whole village to support, add their names on that list. And if their names are listed, then they can speak on, on your behalf. You don't have to be present. Um, and that's really key because what's really important is we are a, a people who operate like that mm -hmm. as a collective unit within our families. families. Yes. So it's not going to always be the mom or the dad. Yes. It could be whomever because it, we understand the power of a village. Yes. And so please, parents, put down other relatives or, or friends even whoever you think can really be that person to pick a, pick up the torch and be able to support and help you because the louder you are the more positive attention your child gets yes, yes. and and you know and if yes go ahead i, I was going to say you uh, someone might be watching is like so what's the issue with the child having a clipboard it's like that's in your file that goes with you right and if you don't take it away and then it like the 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 spirit murdering right so all of a sudden yes my my nephew whose his dad passed away you're telling him that there's something wrong with how he's mourning the loss of his dad and all of yes. a sudden this top child that's in the gifted program Yes. You, you've taken his identity away from him because he's going to, through a traumatic period in his life, you know? So that's the importance yes. of, you know, advocating for our children. You know what I mean? Yes. So people don't, so the exact, that spirit murdering, I'm like, I, I caught that right away. Like, wow. So right away, yes. a child who was going down the right path could suddenly turn because you have now labeled him a bad child by giving him bad and we're going to put that in quotation mm -hmm. by giving him this check-in 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 check-out chart so that's the importance of no you're not going to give him that because you're not going to identify who he is he's already shown you who he is right and that and that's so key that it's about how that child is being impacted through that mm -hmm. experience. And it's exactly how we begin murdering a child's spirit mm -hmm. like that. In the sense that we have to get to the why. That is the partnership responsibility between the school and the household. If a child is experiencing um, something different, right? We need to be able to figure out where is that showing up? How is that mm -hmm. impacting the child? We have to become problem solvers. We cannot just try to find an existing box mm -hmm. to put them in and label them as this. No, let's, let's find out who has a relationship with this child at the school. Yes. And if no one has a relationship with the child, that's probably the problem, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I find that often, and it's just, I'm an interventionist now, and um, I work with some other interventionists, and it's the same old song. We'll get a student 
who is experiencing either some type of um, been identified because of some behavior mm -hmm. or being identified because of poor academic performance, pull them into our office, talk to them one to two times and it, find out like what the issue is. And it's not because we have some magic, you know, but we, we are black women. Mm -hmm. We got some black girl magic, yeah, we do. but that's not exactly why, <laughs> right? right? Yes. It's really that child feeling like I'm being seen by someone. Yes. Someone is asking yes. me, you know, yes. what is going on. And somebody cares yes. about me yeah. enough to believe that I have a voice and, and that I can speak on my own behalf. Like, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've seen where we shut the kid down because they don't even get to express mm -hmm. what's going on. And mm -hmm. I, I'm going to really speak to my parents about this because I had to learn along the way, even from my own children, listen to your kids. When they say, I don't like that teacher, mm -hmm. that person, mm -hmm. that adult, believe them. Yes. Believe that they have a reason mm -hmm. and that something, I, I get kids who will say, I, I, it's something about mm -hmm. the way she is. And they can't really put words to it, but I'll say, tell me more about that. Okay, how did that make you feel? feel? And then you find out that it was something that was said or how a, an adult responded, treated to them, and it murdered their spirits. And sometimes that spirit murdering might not have been done by the current teacher. Mm -hmm. It could have been done by a previous educator in their life or some interaction. And then it destroys their very belief in themselves mm -hmm. that they can be successful. And we cannot keep pretending that our kids know how to bounce back nice. and they're going to be resilient mm -hmm. and expecting them to carry this weight and these burdens and to be emotionally healthy, yes. right? Um, and so one of the things that I have learned as a parent is I am going to listen to my mm -hmm. child fairly. Mm -hmm. I am going to ask him more questions when he's feeling some kind of way or she's feeling some kind of way about what's happening in the school. And I am going to do my best to be present, to let them know that this child is loved by many people yes. and we will not tolerate them not being treated like humans and being respected and that we demand mm -hmm. that you see black excellence in this mm -hmm. child. Yes. This yes. is who my child is. Mm -hmm. And I remember Cynthia that when my son um, was having issues in elementary school, one of the tools that I used to try to help be proactive with teachers was that when a school year would start at the very beginning, mm -hmm. I'd get all his teachers mm -hmm. email address and before the school year starts, I'm introducing myself in an email and I'm writing a little love letter mm -hmm. to you about my son. My son is a very kind young man. He cares about people. He loves science. And that really intrigues not like to be bored. He does not mm -hmm. like worksheets, yes. but he will pick up a book and read it. Like I'm celebrating and talking about the greatness within my son yes. because I'm trying to tell you <laughs> that you need to know who you did. Yes. 
because you're not going to tell me because I already know who my child mm -hmm. is and I'm letting them know. And I make sure I put it that we believe in partnership yes. in this family. If you need anything to support what you are doing in the classroom, do not hesitate to contact mm -hmm. us because we want to be involved in every way we can in his success. Yes. And we expect his teachers to have a united front to support him. And most importantly, my son thrives when you build a relationship with yes, him. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. And I want to read some of the comments, but I want to say how important that is to make that initial contact so no teacher <laughs> can say that, you know, you weren't inviting and they didn't know this about your child and come conference time, you're airing all these things. It's just, but wait up, I told you, I made it open door our policy that you could reach out to me from before the problem yes. started so we can deal with it. So it's very, I love how Ravanya you know, stated that, did that with her children. And, you know, someone said, Pamela said, that's, that's very good. So parents, the importance of that is so, you know, you start to build that relationship. So the, the teachers, they, they don't have any excuse to fall back on because you are making it very open about the child, who the child is, and that you are for them. And Joey Phillips says um, teachers should listen to kids about other adult adults in their building as well. I think that's yes. so important right because they're there for so many yes. hours a day yes and if they trust a specific teacher to talk to that teacher that teacher should be an advocate for that student and for probably yes. several other students um yes and tashan tashano tashanda probably yeah, good, hi Sha. she said good advice being proactive and whitney says problem solving find solutions communicate with the family very, very important. Yes. Um, Ronita says, yes, parents um, in bracket villagers must be the advocate for their children. Yes. 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 I want to touch on what Joey said, mm -hmm. and, and this is so important. Um, one of the things that I have always been is uh, a person who I'm standing up for what I believe yes. in, period. Yes. I don't care if you don't like me. I don't have friends. I'm not here mm -hmm. to make friends. I'm here to work with young people and to save their lives. Um, we have to be honest as educators about the culture of teaching. Yes. Um, there is a culture in which um, Joey specifically said, like, for adults to listen, mm -hmm. where <laughs> we take away the voice of the Children, child, yep. like, and, and try to act like we in disbelief mm -hmm. that they're saying that somebody harmed mm -hmm. them, like, and try to convince them that that's not a truth. If, a, if that child is speaking their truth to you, believe them yes. and let's protect them. And that, I think, is one of the key things because one of the things when I said, you know, get to the why of what's going on with the child, teachers need to get back to their why. Mm. Why are you teaching? If you're teaching for a job, you need to find something else to Can do. Can you repeat that? That is not the work. If you are teaching because this is a job, this is not the right profession for that. We're trying to save lives. And if you are not in this to win this and believing in black kids and the beauty of their dreams, 
then don't you can't you either liberating kids or you oppressing them and you don't get to pick an in between Mm -hmm. are you liberating them or oppressing them and it is oppressive to tell a kid that their truth is not a truth so if i tell you as a child that i'm hurting and something is happening to me where are the adults who are going to be in that building Mm -hmm. to advocate for that kid and that's that to me is one of the issues that is most disheartening as an educator is that kids should be able to walk into our buildings and see every adult as a cheerleader. Yes, for them. their advocate. Yes. They they should be able to not even number off how many adults mm-hmm. that they can count on in their school who is going to root for them, who's going to help them, who's going to support them. Like they shouldn't even be able to count it because that is what we should be in the business of doing. doing. But so often you will talk to kids and they'll be like, well, I might have this Mm -hmm. person. Maybe, no, we got to change that narrative. And the only way it's going to be changed if educators start putting pressure on other educators to do things mm-hmm. differently. Parents and families, I need you to go to your schools and demand that they do things differently. And we talked last time, Cynthia, about this moment. Yes. About this moment where we are demanding Man, something different mm-hmm. as Black people. I need us to take those demands to your school districts and I need you to collaborate with each other and you need to make demands for changes for your children's Mm -hmm. lives to be saved because it's not just about I have I have kids who made it through the system perfectly fine due to other things because we believe that education starts at Um, home and that we knew that this system was not set up for them to succeed yes. and they made it through. But that doesn't mean I can't give back. Yes. I need even parents whose kids might not be experiencing right. these situations, mm-hmm. but you hear about yes. it. You know about it. Help. help. We need help. We need parents. Your voices make a difference. You are the people we serve. And if you are unhappy, and you are dissatisfied with the curriculum and you want your kids to see themselves in the curriculum, go demand yes, it. Yes, yes. We, 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 we have to reimagine, if we're going to keep our kids in this system, we have to reimagine what this is going to look like in order to build a new generation mm-hmm. of kids who know who, who they are and who are supported yes, within the schools. Yes, yes, yes. I wanted to see, 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 demand something different. Yes, we have to demand it. And so when we are reimagining, reimagining this, what what does that look like for those of us who are mm-hmm. limited in our vision and need need some help with reimagining? What, what, what does that look like? Give us maybe one or two thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay. One of the main things when we reimagine what schools should be like, I keep talking about this curriculum piece. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very tangible, tangible piece mm-hmm. that, black, that black people have been upset about forever, right? So it's time to demand that change yes. right now. 
Like, what does it take to change curriculum mm -hmm. and say we are going to actually have curriculum that reflects the kids that are in this building mm -hmm. instead of teaching them about other people? So teach them about themselves yes. first yes. and then bring in the world at large for them to understand other people as well. But the erasure is the problem. Yes. So I need us to reimagine that. Yes. I need us to reimagine what this curriculum should look right. like so that kids can see their potential, see themselves through mirrors, mm -hmm. right? Mirrors is what they need. The other thing that we need to reimagine, we need to stop believing this um, lie in many of our school systems um, and particularly in some districts that are predominantly students of color, but have all white staff, all white administrators. Um, that is a problem in itself because kids say, I'm not saying that white people don't right. come in mm -hmm. and do some good work mm -hmm. with our kids, but they need to see us. Yes. So we need to also demand, well, what does this look like to have more Black and brown mm -hmm. people in leadership. Mm -hmm. Black and brown people in leadership so that they are making decisions that's in the best interest of students. And then another thing that I think is extremely important, extremely important, we need to also reimagine how discipline occurs in schools. The data disparity mm -hmm. is more than disheartening, the school-to-prison pipeline mm -hmm. is real. And if we don't reimagine how we're doing this business of disciplining Black students harsher than other students, we are going to continue to see the trends that we see. Yes, I agree. That also has to change. And it has to be a collective group of parents and educators. educators who want to save Black lives working together to get these changes made within your school district. I, I love that. And I want to go back to the importance of having brown and Black people in leadership as teachers, as, as administrators. It's not just because we want to see our, our, ourselves and our children being represented. That is great. We want that. We need that. Mm -hmm. But they also mm -hmm. know how to communicate to our children, right? They live in the communities with our children. So they understand our children, you know, because I remember being in the school system and I probably one of the only black ones and they would call me because Cynthia knows how to talk to the children and the children connect with Cynthia because if, if a child speaks to me a certain way, they, Black Americans, Black people, we talk a certain way. We express ourselves in certain ways. We're not trying to be disrespectful, but that's perceived by others as, oh, that person is being disrespectful, right? And so that is one of the main reasons to see people who look like us, but also because they understand us. They know how to communicate yes. to us, and they, under, they know the struggles that we are facing. Yes. Yes. And that that is so key. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, the cultural disconnect yes. is real yes. and we need to stop pretending mm -hmm. 
and being worried about who we're going to offend by saying that. I don't care that your feelings are mm -hmm. hurt. Let's shake that up. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And let's learn how to really work with somebody that's different from you. Like, we have to be real about that. You're saying that, and that and it's like, why are we trying to pretend like that's not real? Yep. That many um, students are suffering because of the cultural disconnect between their educators and administrators and them and their own cultural systems that they grew up and learned yes. in that's different. Mm -hmm. And so... If there's a disconnect, let's also be open to understand that, that the way a teacher teaches cannot connect with yes. a kid. Let's be open to understanding, like you said, that the way a child responds might come off a certain way. And, it, and that's not what the kid intended. Mm -hmm. And now you in your feelings and you taking stuff personally and that child was heightened because something else yes. happened and now they just talking to you and now you think they coming off at you like that. So we got to also stop having this like defensive type of response to things when we talk about race. <laughs> like let, let's, let's cut that out because that's getting us nowhere. nowhere. We, got, we need to be real. Like you need to be culturally competent if you are going to be a non- person of color in a school system where the students are or even if they service students of color period yeah you need to be able to figure that out and and to demand as teachers if you don't know that your schools provide you the type of training that you need and you have to be open to not knowing and learning from kids um one of the things that really stood out to me is one of my friends who's an educator and who's white. Um, one of the things that she shared with me because she works so well um, in populations with students of color. And I was, I've always been curious about how she's been so successful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that she said to me that really stood out was that she was willing to learn Bye. from her students. Yes. She let them teach mm -hmm. her how to teach yes. them. She took her ego out the room and said, I'm not showing up the way that I yes. think I am. Yes. And my students are telling mm -hmm. me that. that I am serving them. Yes. So I need to listen. And she says she learned a lot from them. And they taught her how to teach them. And she was open. And that's something that we learn as educators. That's like educate 101, in, right? That's the first thing we learn that we mm -hmm. have to teach the child individually, right? And of course, we have a classroom full of kids, but we have to know what do I need to do th to reach this child? And we know predominantly black kids, we need music, we need rhythm, we need something, you know? You got to go sing that. Yes. That, we don't like that. to, we don't like boring yes. stuff. We just no. don't like boring you stuff. Right. We need some some flavor. Yes, whatever it takes. And, and and I don't know why once teachers start teaching, they forget the basics that they were taught. That's one of the first things I remember being taught as an educator is just that, okay, there are several different styles of teaching and you have to mm -hmm. teach your, the population based on how they learn. It's not just going to the blackboard or going, it's not no longer blackboards, whiteboards or whatever you're doing and mm -hmm. writing down or just giving them something to read. You have to switch it up. And I can't remember all the different terms for the ways mm -hmm. of teaching. Yes. But, 
where do where, where do teachers educators miss that and stop doing that they get, i think they get comfortable with the way they teach and so they teach that way yeah. and everybody else has to conform to how they teach is that it it's 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 no accountability in the sense of business has been done a certain way for the since the beginning of schooling mm -hmm. right it's been done a certain way it's easier for the system to just say it's something wrong with the kids than to fix and do the labor that it takes to raise up teachers who are going to be able to respond to this generation of students yes, that yes, we have yes. because it's it, it's work i'm going i'm mm -hmm. going to tell you it's work and it requires teachers and i said this ego has to be out yeah. and that's one of the things i think we struggle just as adults like we have to be at the mercy and be humble um, in the presence of kids and be able to say, and this is where I think the rubber meets the road, Cynthia, um, is that I'm the teacher, but I don't really know everything. And then I have to let go <laughs> and let some kids mm. teach me how to teach Damn. them. But I'm supposed to be the educator. But let me tell you what that is. That is white supremacy culture. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. We know <laughs> that the colonization of this land <laughs> and the ways in which we do business has served the superior thinking that white way is the right, right way. way. <laughs> and we did not honor other groups of mm -hmm. people. There was no intention to do that. So when the educational system was created and we moved over to the integration and left our own, because when we were doing our own mm -hmm, thing, we were all right. Mm -hmm. But when integration occurred, there was no prep or intentional or decision that there was going to ever be some inclusion of blackness yes. in there. Why would we do that, mm -hmm. right? Because that serves the perpetuation of white supremacy to keep us indoctrinated and to believe it that this way of being is the only, only way. way of being. Yes. And so I think the problem that we have is we got to have this race conversation in schools. schools. We have to be able to say that you, hey, as a white teacher, if you are going to be in the presence of students of color, I don't care if you got one, I don't care if you have 20. You really need to check your own self, yes. your own racial bias. Yep. Mm -hmm. And you need, you need to be on a journey as a person to be constantly yes. checking that yes. and making sure that's not preventing you from being the best, best you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because the okay you <laughs> is probably doing okay with some kids. Yes. But the best you can save every child. child. Yes. If you let go of these notions that we've been taught that we can't talk about race, that we can't admit that we don't know mm -hmm. how to engage. We can't admit that we could be wrong, that a kid who came at us a certain way was not trying to be offensive mm -hmm. or disrespectful. That they really tried to express themselves the best way. way that they knew how mm -hmm. with the resources that they, that they had. Yeah, yeah. And I have to be honest to you, Cynthia, as a black educator, I had to let go of my own ego yeah, because I had a certain way in which that I conducted myself in a classroom that 
this is how I want my classroom to be. I want students to be like this. And I want things to be like, and I, I, I quickly learn. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really in charge yeah. because if I keep on acting like that and want stuff to be the way mm -hmm. I want it to be, I'm not going to mm -hmm. reach all my students. And the only way that I shifted to understand was because I love, when mm -hmm. I say I love those babies, mm -hmm. I love yeah. them. And another thing that I think is so important that we will not say and own in the schools is that we as educators have to learn, learn how to love, love other people's yes, kids. Love them like you love your own. Love them like you love your own. I think that's so important and I think that's so lacking. I, as a grown person with children, I am still friends with my sixth grade teacher. We still talk on a consistent basis. When I renewed my vows, she was here. Same with one of my ninth grade teachers. Those women invested in me. They knew who I was. They took the time to more than teach me, but they loved me. And I got that from many Th That makes teachers. a difference. Yes. It makes a huge difference. When you, when you can love other people's kids mm -hmm. the way you love your own, they see you, and those kids eat that up so yes. fast, they want to perform for you. Yes. They want to be whatever you're trying to get, mm -hmm. and they start trusting you. And even when they don't believe in themselves, they believe in what you're offering oh, them, yes. and they're like, if you believe I can do it, yes. then I'm, I, I believe I can yes. do it. And they need you to believe in their dreams until they can believe in their dreams. Yes. And if we just keep doing this like a job, <laughs> how are you going to get to love at other people's kids? I, like loving them. I am telling you how truthful that is. When people ask me about princesses and ladies, I, my passion for it partly is because of women that invested in me and those were my teachers mm -hmm. that truly mm -hmm. my mother came to the states and so my teachers you know those were the women who looked out for me because they knew who my mom was mm -hmm. and you know so exactly what you're saying just just to know that someone loved me no you're not gonna mess up because your mama not here we watch it yes <laughs> you've inherited some new mama <laughs> you know yes and yes that is something that you have to have a passion to teach and want yes. and to love yes. to love it it has to be more than a paycheck it really has yes. to be it has to be that has to shift that has to shift um, the other demand that I think we should have is the way in which we hire. Yes. So even if we, if okay, so let's say in a perfect world, we, we for sure want more teachers of mm -hmm. color. But we need to have a standard for our teachers who are not. Yes. Like, so our white teachers, when you're hiring, you need to have specific questions mm -hmm. to make sure they know how to come and be human yes. with our kids yes. and love them. Not just because they got some credentials, mm -hmm. like how are are you going to really demonstrate that you love and care yes. for this group of students? What do you know about this community that you're about to work yes. in? Why did you show up at our doorstep? Yes. Why do you want to be in front of these kids? Yes. Why do you feel worthy? Because yes. I believe that it's an honor. Yes. It is an honor for me to have the lives of other people's kids in my hands. Mm -hmm. And I have a duty to not just protect their very beings and spirits, but to give them the best of me 
every single day yes. I walk in there, every single day that they see me, they need to know I'm rude. Yes. I'm rude. Yes. And I don't care. Even my kids who I can have a student fell in every single class. But but let me tell you something. I'm I'm trying to get that baby to understand. Yeah, yep. I, I, I'm carrying you to you can get yes. that baby because I believe in you. I know you can do yes. this. And I'm calling home and saying, Mama, I understand. I understand what you're going through. Don't worry about it because I love mm -hmm. your baby enough mm -hmm. that I'm going to do what's right by him. And I'm not going to let harm come to him as long as I'm yes. here. And you, you can count on me to be that one here. And what if we shifted the narrative that most, even not all, most educators were like that? I tell you, the numbers will change. change. Yes, I agree with you. And I want to go back to the importance of why this community, why did you pick this school district? Because the majority of the mm -hmm. teachers don't live in the school district that they work in. And I feel like based on what you are saying, there has to be some, you need to volunteer, you need to learn something about this community in order to better understand how to communicate, how to relate, not just with the children, but with their families. But if you come and you clock in your hours and you get up and you leave when we're covered. Most of these um, educators, as the bell ring, they're out before the school bus out, and that is so new to me. <laughs> Honey, so new to me. But what Honey, but okay, but so you don't take the time to learn the community that you're teaching in. So how can you relate? How can you relate? You know, so I really, exactly. How do we make that a requirement? Like, yes, why are you in the school? Yeah. Did you pick it because it, it should? Yeah. Yeah. It should be a requirement, just like we require that teachers get training and do professional development. Part of the professional development needs to be being in a community, yes. go to where the kids are. Yes. So instead of us having professional development at the school mm -hmm. and having somebody come in and do training, how about we have um, days in which our educators go into the community yes. and go to where the kids are. So if they are at the, the park district and that's where they play ball, go play ball with them. Yeah. If you want to yes. get to know your kids better, where do they go? What are their church experiences like? Yes. Get to know who their people are, what they love, how they engage with their community. Not just come service, like you said, and be ready to go. And I'm not discrediting. I'm going to be be real mm -hmm. about this. I'm not discrediting the hard oh, yes, work yes. teachers mm -hmm, put in. Mm -hmm. Yes, you work hard. hard. I know. Work hard creating beautiful lessons yes. and work hard trying to meet the ever-changing demands of a system that, that just don't want us to be great. Yes. Right? Uh, but I'm saying, I'm just saying that if you want to be better, mm -hmm. if you want the numbers to change, and if you truly, like I hear people saying, I keep hearing a lot of people say Black Lives Matter. I keep seeing the posts. Mm -hmm. My students matter. I've been to protests with teachers walking around with T-shirts. I'm an educator and my Black students' lives matter. Well, if their lives matter, I need us to come back mm -hmm. with an energy and a passion that is committed to excellence. Yes. I need us to come back no longer doing business the way we did mm -hmm. business before the pandemic. I need us to come back loving kids. 
I need us to come back centering their social emotional health. I need us to come back with a mentality that we're not holding on to these grades and abusing our power. I need us to come back loving these families and caring about their basic needs being met. I need us to come back truly dedicated and committed to doing the work within ourselves that is required in order to re-examine how we show up as educators. Yes, and I'm glad you pointed out because we're not here to bash the educators. We're not here to bash the teachers. There are some really great um, educators out there. Families are difficult. (laughs) You know, we all know some families are difficult, some students are difficult, but I also want to add to some of the difficult families that we get is based on even their experiences when they were students. And then they come to you and how you receive them and you tell them it's a partnership, but it really isn't a partnership. <laughs> and so Not at all. their response mm-hmm. to you is based on their fear of coming because of their previous um, experience. And then when they come, they're like, man, see the same thing. I knew this was exactly yes. what it is. It's trauma. Yes. And it's just <laughs> Okay. It's trauma. Mm-hmm. So if we change, it is trauma. We have to, mm-hmm. we have to meet these parents. You know, really meet them and really show them that we are here for them. We're here to help them, and I think we will get a better response from parents that are so traumatized from their childhood of being kids in school. You know, and even their parents, it's like generational trauma going through the school system of something wrong with us. You know what I mean? So I'm glad you you made yes. that point. But we, you know, we are. Educators are there, and so it becomes the responsibility to uphold that part of it and meet the parents. That, yes. Yes. And yes. I do want to read some of these responses. Okay. Pam says, um, get back to the why. Teaching is a calling. It's a stance. It's a bridge. Yes. It's a support yes, system. It is the ability yes. to unlock and identify the talents and gifts within a child. Yes. Yes. Yes, honey. Yes, it is. It is the most important podium there is. I'm telling you. I, I agree. Truly, truly. Wholeheartedly. Yes. And Ronita says, I'm teaching the truth, not some fake history girl. Yeah. <laughs> We need to get yes. we need to get this history right because I'm like I need to go learn some black history because nobody mm-hmm. taught me. I need to go back. I feel like I was robbed with this American. Oh history. yes, I didn't get the whole. Oh history. yes. <laughs> oh yes, honey. It's it's some it's some work to be mm-hmm. done to really do the catching up that we need to do to understand the context that we're even living in right no, now. Yes, you know we just moving through it. Yes, and someone gave you some props. Ronetta, I hope I'm saying her name right, Ronetta. Um, uh, uh, did I say it wrong? Tell me, correct me. Um, I think okay. if it's Ronetta, yes, my cousin, yes. yes. There needs to be real honest solutions to suspension. Whitney Courtney says this. Mm-hmm. Removal from the learning environment is not a fair. Oh, I love that. I love that. Removal from the learning environment is not a fair no. punishment. No. Yeah. No, and and you know, let me touch on yes, that for a second yes. because I I think parents really need to hear this part mm-hmm. is that not too many school districts has completely shifted to the restorative practices for discipline. Can you tell people and what so, that means? Yes. Okay. So 
the difference between right now our discipline system is punitive mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. kids do something here's a consequence mm -hmm. and then we can we can up this consequence because now we tired of this and so you'll get a harsher consequence but with restorative practices and restorative justice within the school it is really trying to get to the why of why this is happening it also requires that we sit with the mm -hmm. child and really talk through things rather than just kind of punish them send them back and expect everything to be you know all cool but it, it one of the most important parts about it and this is what i was going to address that we don't do right now but is a part of restorative practices is that if if a kid is having an issue with an adult how is it that we just punish the kids, get them a consequence, <laughs> sitting on the back and expect everything to be okay? When we gonna bring the adult to the mm -hmm. table and have some courageous conversations about what is happening, why it's happening, and let's just consider, what if it has something to do with the interactions of both of them? Yes. Like, like how, how can that be dismissed? Like, if a kid is having an issue Often, often, and not just every once in a while, mm -hmm. if they are having an issue in a particular class, That's, it yes. has something to do yes. with the engagement yes. and interaction. And we need to push back mm -hmm. on this idea that kids just need to, they just got one job, mm -hmm. go to school, sit there, do what you told, get all your work done. And be quiet when you're told to be quiet. And all this craziness, that is out the window. We need to let yes. that go. That's a joke. Yes. We got a whole new generation. Mm -hmm. They not going mm -hmm. for that. Mm -hmm. Back in my day, yes, I was afraid of my mama <laughs> to the point. I was like, I don't want to hear her mouth. Let me get in here. Yes. Um, but it's the real situation is our kids are saying, I am a human yeah. being. I have feelings. Mm -hmm. I am experiencing things. And we need to recognize that and deal with that and restorative practice of mediating between the adults and the child mm -hmm. and processing with them together what happened so we can get to a better tomorrow so that that adult is not still holding on to what happened because yes. we got to be real yes. about that because yes. we're human right mm -hmm. we're human too so sometimes we get in our feelings about what happened yesterday but if we can hold everybody accountable and bring them to the table and have them talk through this we can get to a better understanding yes. of what the issues are and we can also own in front of kids that adults don't always get it right. Yes. Yes. We don't always yes. get it right. And sometimes it is us and our ego that is preventing us from having the type of relationship that we could have with those kids. kids. And the other thing is sometimes as educators, I think sometimes we are impatient. Mm. We want to have that relationship right away. Well, I did mm -hmm. this for the kid mm -hmm. and I show up mm -hmm. like this. And one, one time I had a teacher actually tell me, well, I bring the kids animal crackers every day. And so, you know, I know they are hungry when that, by the time they get to my class mm -hmm. for that, you know, this late in the afternoon yes. period. And I was really trying to understand why do you think 
what what do you think the animal crackers are supposed to do? Mm -hmm. So you want them to now act right magic. because you gave them animal mm -hmm. crackers? <laughs> like, where does that make mm -hmm. sense? Like, and, and you're not trying to buy a right. relationship from yes. them through little trinkets mm -hmm. and toys and, and little treats. Let's build a real sustainable yes. relationship by getting to know who they are. And I will tell you, Cynthia, we need to sacrifice some of the academics to focus on relationship. Mm -hmm. That needs to be priority. Mm -hmm. And that is key yes. because the learning is not going to happen yes. if you don't build the relationship. Yes. And I think that's a good point. But I'm hearing, I can hear educators in my head, but we got to meet these standards <laughs> you know what you know what i had to get to a point and i encourage all my educators mm -hmm. let me tell you something honey i had to realize and reckon what my purpose yes. is my purpose is to get these babies to the excellence they deserve to walk in and I will not be controlled and dictated to about how to do that when I know in my heart what's the right thing. Yes. So if I don't get to lesson mm -hmm. 22, 23, 24, and 25, guess what? I won't get there. But by the end of this semester, the end of this school year, I'm going to have a whole class full of kids who are confident, more confident in my subject area, who feel better about their own performance, yes. who really had some beautiful experiences yes. in my classroom, learning who they um, are, you know, and, and, and I just need us to reimagine when we talked about that, reimagine what this could look like and what we could produce yes. if we push back against this white supremacy culture that has a hold on us, following these standards, doing this, then check this box mm -hmm. and check that box. Well, where is that getting us right now? Where is that getting us? Nowhere. I need us to put some humanity yes. into teaching mm -hmm. and stop putting all these requirements and things. And that doesn't mean that our kids are going to learn less. Right. Yes. That's what I beg to differ yes. with that. Yes. They are not going to learn less. I am going to tell you that teachers complain all the time kids forget all these things that they learn. They, they should know all these things with that. They got taught this in elementary. And you know what? If the learning is not rooted in something that's sustainable yes. with a foundation, mm -hmm. it's easy to dismiss and yes. forget. It has no value. Mm -hmm. So if you build a relationship and you build a loving cultural environment that is going to nurture kids, and then you're teaching on top of that. You got something for it to start locking into. Yes. Right? And you, we can't just keep pouring knowledge into them. Just <laughs> pouring this information into them. Expect them to retain it. Trying to expect them to have this. Mm -hmm. and, and they are not robots. robots yeah. They are not. Mm -hmm. They are not. They are real people who have real dreams who want to be something yes, in this yes. world and we need to help them get to that mm -hmm. and find that what have we accomplished sending kids out here who do well on the test who pass these classes and they're still trying to find out like who am mm -hmm. i who are my people i i'm just you know and they they're so lost often you know and so I'm really trying to understand how we think we educating if we're not educating the whole child. And, and so, Ravanya, this is rhetorical, but I'm going to ask it because I know some people out there, well, 
didn't I get my teaching degree for academics? You're telling me it's more than academics, right? You're telling me that there's a social part to it. There's an emotional part to it. It's not just I'm um, teaching academics, whatever, math, English, or if I'm a general teacher or if I'm a um, elementary school teacher. So it's more than that, Ravanya. Is that what you're telling me? Honey, if you, <laughs> if you are educated, you've been educated for more than one month. And you have not realized <laughs> that it's way more. It's so much more. And I, I'm just going to apologize and say that I'm not, I'm not at all trying to say that we don't try yes. our best. I believe we do. Mm -hmm. And I believe we follow what we were taught and how to teach kids. And what's unfortunate is that the teaching programs have not caught oh, up with mm -hmm. where we are and what we need to be doing. And there's a purpose for that. Who does that serve? Mm -hmm. Who stays on the top with that type of system of teaching teachers? Who stays on the top and who stays on the bottom? We got to question that. So I am challenging us to say that we recognize as educators that that is not working that just teaching your subject that you were taught that this is all you have to do. Now, you know, I'm sorry to catch out the bag. <laughs> and now, you know, that is not all you have to do way more. And I would say, please educators yes. push back on your thinking about following all these mm -hmm. rules and get back to your heart space and prioritize your students center them center their needs and put the other things on the back burner until you can get them to the place and space that you need them to be through love teaching through love first building relationships with them creating loving cultural environments within the classroom that serve their needs and then try to teach. Watch that stuff just, yes. boy, you'll see the magic that happens and what kids really retain and what they really learn and how their inquiry starts to develop yes. and they start to want mm -hmm. it because it is different at that point for them. And so, yes, I'm sorry, teachers. Yeah, it, it requires way more. If you if, if we really want to see the, the data change. Yeah. If, yes. And if we really do want to do something different rather than just posting, you know, that we care about black yes, lives. Like, truly. we got to do more than that. Truly. We're going to need a part two, Ravonia. <laughs> <laughs> we're already at eight, and I know, I know you had, like, two or three more points on there, but I wanted to read these other comments. Joey said, okay. teachers making things personally does so much harm. Very true. You know, just like you said, don't take it personal. If you need to learn from your students, you need to learn from them. Pam said something we said was powerful. Um, and Whitney says, and it's okay to take ownership when you mess up and to apologize yes. to your students. Yes, so that goes so far for yes. them. Yes, and um, Renetta was saying it's called passion, right, when teaching. And, and Joey also said that such a, that's such a different and better mindset than the teachers who say, what more can I do? Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down and see. There needs to be a partnership between family, teachers, and school. Um, school views adults as inflammable way too often. Yes, very true. Uh, Joey, thank you, Joey, for all the comments. 
kids mm -hmm. can explain exactly what the problem in the class is if we take the time to ask and listen. And I'm also going to say as a therapist that we also need to watch those nonverbal cues because some, mm -hmm. kids, some children are not as vocal to say, but you will see attitudes change and we need to be very keen. Both educators and parents be very keen to what your children are doing or not doing anymore. And then mm -hmm. um, Ronetta said the key adults owning their mistakes. Very true. Yes. And Nakoya, what's your thoughts about IEPs? Oh, Lord. What <laughs> <laughs> I sort of feel like CTS is not really interested in helping kids catch up, but instead try to keep kids, try to keep kids on them. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, when yeah. Do you... I do mm, go ahead. Do you want me to address that or you just kind of want to read through some more? I do want you to address that. Let me just read the rest of them because I think she's mm -hmm. the only one that had a question. Um, when you okay. have a, Whitney Curry says, when you have a relationship, the students will strive to meet the standards for you because they want to make you proud. Very true. Um, teaching to the test, Ronetta, right. Very true. That's kind of where we are at right now. And I think some educators feel very pressured you know, maybe mm -hmm. we kind of address, address that. And and so, Rabanya, that's one of the things that we probably have to talk about too, that administration have to change because sometimes there are teachers that want to do exactly what you're saying, but they're reporting to administrators that are so rigid and, you know, are not hearing them, are not supporting their teachers to go to the superintendent or to go to the school district. So something has to happen on that level as well. Mm -hmm. um, and Nakoya says, I also feel like teachers need to understand that educating is not cookie cutter, right? Every child doesn't learn the same. Therefore, teachers have to be open no. to using different medals and models. I, I, I mean, I remember, I can't remember all the different ways of teaching, but I remember learning that, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Someone says, good conversation. Someone had lost sound. Uh, I, okay, let me see. When you know who you are, live who you are, and like who you are, then you want to be better. You want to know more. Learning becomes a prize. Mm -hmm. That's from Pam. So th that's basically saying yes. when the kids know yes. who they are, live who they are, you know, they want to learn and become more. So let's go back to the IEP question. Do you need okay. me to reread that one? Um, yes, you can. Okay, let me let me find that. But while I'm trying to find it in terms of the administrators there needs to be oh, some honey. work there as well yeah like that that needs to be yeah the work i think could come from the power of the the teachers radicalizing themselves and really shifting to really trying to demand change and demand a difference along with the parents. Yes. So if we want a shift and change of the administrators having different expectations if we want state the state to have different expectations and we want to reimagine this we got to use our platforms and voices and power as yes. parents if kids if kids don't come to school <laughs> then what can we do right so realistically how important yes. is it to us right so if we want this stuff yes. to change we have to really demand that and then they'll have to respond to us because there's power in that, in those numbers. If kids yes. are saying this doesn't work, parents are saying this doesn't work, and teachers are saying it doesn't work, 
<laughs> we then have to do something different. I want to throw a quick plug yes, out here yes. for um, the abolitionist teaching network that was just launched by um, Bettina Love. I think it's a .org, abt.org, abolitionist teaching network. And um, she's trying to start this movement of radicalizing teachers to become abolitionist teachers mm. in the sense that we are teaching to liberate students, students and that we are being more radical in our demands, that we are being more radical in our practices and that we are pushing back against this white supremacy culture that's held black um, students in particular down and that's murdering their spirits in the way in which we do business. So that is extremely important that if teachers want to link up, also if there are teachers who want to do anti-racist work, um, you can definitely connect with me and we can try to see which path is the best path for you. But it, it just requires us to now reimagine and do things different and leverage our power to demand that things be changed and for teachers to be courageous enough to just make those changes in your yes. classroom. One of the things for me was that I was like, what is the stuff that I think is required because like mm -hmm. there are these unspoken mm -hmm. rules or rules that I think somebody's gonna be watching me or I can be fired and what's really real? Yes. What do I really have to respond to? That's a good so point. I'm not gonna worry about these made up things that I, I've never heard somebody being fired for those things. So yes. where, where did I come up with that? So I'm just gonna do what I think is best. And if somebody got a problem with it, they'll let me know. I defend myself and why I believe this is important for kids. I'll even have data from the success of that. And I always enjoy mentioning this, use the voice of my students because yes. I always ask them. I would do different questionnaires to ask them what worked, what yes. didn't work. Do they like when I do it this way? And and get to know what is it that I'm doing that, that I need to get rid of. So if an administrator ever questioned me, I had the evidence that I do this because it works. Work. This is yes. what's working. That's such a good point, you know, to, to have that data, data to say, yeah, this, this is why I'm doing it. It works. And so back to the IEP question. Yes. What are your thoughts about IEPs? I sort of feel like CPS is not really interested in helping kids catch up, but instead try to keep kids on them. Okay. Um, so this is, this has been my concern. I'm not a special ed teacher, but I, I obviously have students who are on IEPs. Mm -hmm. I've attended special ed meetings and this is where my concern lies. I get very concerned when that exact thing happens. If a kid is on, um, an IEP with no intentions to ever level them up to get them off. I have a problem. Yes. With that. So that is an extreme problem. So do we intend for this kid to be at this place for their entire like career of being in school? Or are we intending on doing things that meet the needs, close the gaps mm -hmm. and definitely get to solving the problem of what's happening with the kids so that they no longer have to be on it. But here's the problem that we have. Historically, that special ed has been used as a dumping ground 
for black students in particular and especially black boys. And let's be honest about that, that they came in to the classrooms and many teachers, particularly white, who had not developed the cultural competence to teach them and to find out the why of whatever they're experiencing with those students, labeled them and often, very often weaponized it, weaponized the ability to say this kid has a problem mm -hmm. and I think they, whatever. And now you have this kind of, um, like you said, you were like, this is in your file. Mm -hmm. Like you have this collection of data from multiple teachers mm -hmm. or, you know, even one teacher kind of building it up <laughs> to say this kid is something, label them. And now, sometimes as parents, we don't really know what to do because we're like, yeah, he hasn't been having success. And one of the most, um, this, the, the, the biggest thing that kind of put us at a, at a disadvantage as parents, we don't know exactly what's happening in the school every moment. We kind of get these pieces of stories mm -hmm. and it kind of sounds like, okay, for the last three years, my son hasn't been successful it could be something I do know that sometimes at home I could have some struggles with him too. Mm -hmm. So maybe this will help. And yeah. And, and I, I just really struggle with that because I feel like when something starts off being used improperly, we never know what it could have been. been. And so if it started off as a dumping ground to dump black boys there and label them, because teachers couldn't figure out how to reach them, then I don't know if it's a good measurement and that we can ever get to anything successful with it. It's almost like you have to revamp the way in which yeah. you do business because people stay on that path. Mm -hmm. So I will say no IEPs um, in my experience in most schools. I've seen a few schools where they really do try to track the kid out of it and they really do try to build up the student's capacity to be able to be independent of it. Um, but most often that is not the not case. The it case. is a dumping ground and a label that gets put on black students. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's where we need the village again of parents advocating and keep going back to say, where are we at? What's the next step with this IEP? What, what are they doing? You know, has this been met and all of that? But yeah, but I, I want to add, I think I, I know that sometimes that's intimidating for parents. Yes, it is. Um, you come into a room of all these people <laughs> and, you know, they're using all these acronyms and reading all this data off, checking off all these boxes, trying to get through what they need to get through. And you don't really know when I, you talk about village, my husband and I just attended um, an IEP review for my nephew recently. And we had to do it over the phone because, you know, of yes, the conditions yes. we're in right now. And that meeting was an hour and like 30 minutes. Mm. And it was just because there's so many people in the meeting. Everybody has to do this report. And, and it's so oh, much no, information. And the reason um, I was on there for my nephew is because I wanted to be a support to my sister. Mm -hmm. As educators, my husband and I, we know that language, we're familiar with it, and we can help her navigate that. And we would, you know, coach her to say, no, we're not going to accept mm -hmm. that. This is what we're going to do. 
and we're on there challenging them like no who is your best team going for that you everybody said this is where you know his biggest gaps are like he needs to be with who's learning that and when i say best we clarify who's gonna love him and care for him and see him and believe in his dreams yes. like oh, who is that and you know what's so interesting about it is that they could say a name because they knew exactly what I, we were asking mm -hmm. for. Like, they could say a name. And they didn't say, oh, all of our teachers or anybody. They were like, oh, Miss So-and-So mm -hmm. would be perfect for that. Yeah. But like you said, yeah. it's intimidating to so many and not knowing to ask those questions make it so difficult. Yes. And that's another thing I really do want to help parents with. So if there are yes. parents who need help with that, please reach out please. to me. I will answer questions, no charge. Like it would not be a part of my consulting services. It is something I want to do from the heart um, to help parents kind of navigate some of those difficult situations to like, know what do I say? What do I yes. ask for? You could tell me kind of your, your child's situation and we can kind of partner on that. But we just don't have enough people right now in the sense of providing parents with that type of support, you know, and that, and that is so important. And I think we, that is another thing that we do need to shift towards mm -hmm. is that we need more village type resources yes, in the community yes. for parents to navigate the schools better. Yeah. I know that was one of the things we talk about. You're going to have to add that to your consulting. Like, you know, I know. <laughs> get people to go with or to coach them coach the parents where they can come and yes ask questions and be ready for those meetings with the teachers but i know time is up on us so i do want okay. you to repeat again um your social media sites and also to yes. give your plug on your podcast oh yes now, this is my pod this is my podcast coach <laughs> yes so um, I am going to be launching my podcast by next month in the month of August. And I will be having my trailer come out by the end of this month. And so um, I want people to just, you know, check it out. Some people are not podcast people and I understand, you know, sometimes you need that video and that really kind of helps. Uh, but try, just give it a try and see if it's something you're interested in. I'm going to be talking about different things, different subjects. Education is my specialty. So it's going to be a lot about education, but secondary, you know, parenting, mm -hmm. my heart is just like the way that I've developed and the things that I've learned to get rid of as, as far as parenting practices and to really shift how I think about raising children in this type of society, um, raising conscious children you know so they understand what it means to be black in this country and in this world at large where there's anti-blackness around us everywhere um so i'll be talking about all things parenting all things educational yes. um and it's called be greater um podcast and that'll be coming out and i'll plug that put all that on my social media once everything is released my social media is um instagram b greater b e g r the number eight r r my email is also b greater at gmail and then my um facebook is b greater 
educational consultant. Yes. And so please reach out if you have more questions about this topic, you need some additional support as a parent, I'm willing to do that. Yes, this was awesome, Ravani. I know we didn't get to cover everything, but this was really That's good. That's okay. And we got a lot of um, feedback from um, people. Thank you, everyone who is on here on the live for um, your participation um, in the discussion. And Ravanya, thank you for doing this one more time. And thank <laughs> you. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for amplify amplifying voices in the community to be able to help affect change. Thank you for just being who you are, because I believe that you follow exactly what the universe is telling you you should be doing with your life. And I think that that for sure matters in the world. So I so appreciate your fearlessness to take on new projects, even in the midst of being a student. So I really look up to you, sister, as being a role model, even for me, to be able to navigate things the way that you do. Thank you so much for what you do. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Ravonia. They say iron sharp iron. So you sharpening me because you teaching me so much stuff on these lies. And I really... You know, just appreciate no problem. You know, you know, just us being a part of the community and the community work and how we connected. That was just, you know, that left a mark on me. You know, your yes. encouragement. Oh. On that. So um, I appreciate you, you know, and, and getting more thank to know you. you. And I just hope that continues. And thank you, everyone. And have a great Thanks, night. everybody. And I'm about to continue my Juneteenth celebration. I don't know about I know, that. right? <laughs> All right. Okay, Enjoy. Time. Thank you. Bye-bye, everyone. You may follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Lovely Linky and YouTube at Lovely Linky Inspirations on my website at lovelylinkyinspirations.com. You may also email me at lovelylinkyinspirations at gmail.com. Please share, like, and subscribe. Until next time, let's stay connected. So come now, join me next week as we continue to encourage, motivate, and inspire each other. Talk soon. Until then, live good. <laughs>